Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is iFanboy Media Explode, episode 42, What We Watched Over the Holidays. As the winter winds litter London with lonely hearts, oh, the warmth in your eyes swept me into your arms. Was it love or fear of the cold that led us through the night? For every kiss, your beauty trumped my doubt. And my hand told my heart, let love grow. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Media Explode, episode 42, what we watch over the holidays. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I am here with Josh Flanagan. I'm watching you right now. And Ron Richards. No one is watching me. Thankfully. <laughs> that explains what I'm seeing. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Happy New Year, fellas. I have ring cameras delivered everywhere. Happy New <laughs> Just Year. Just planted we... everywhere. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that noise outside was. We are a fanboy, and we uh, normally talk about comic books, but every month, because of the patrons at patreon.com slash fanboy who unlock this show, we talk about non comics media. And we have not done this show since November because December we did the all media year end roundup show, which took the place of this show. And so we're back. We did this last year. People seem to like it. We, we had fun doing it, so we're going to do it again this year. We're going to recap the things we watched over the three or four weeks we had off between the holiday season. We didn't do any shows at all. And I want to make this clear. This isn't because we were doing a lot of stuff and couldn't think of anything until we did this at the last moment and said, let's just do that again. That's not what happened here. This was produced, prepared. We worked on it for weeks. Yeah. I think we started in October. <laughs> I had the staff working on it since October. Yeah. Right. They've been, I've I had just, all I, I just junior producers don't want... Anyone to think that we're phoning a thing in? No, <laughs> absolutely not. So my screen says Ron is going first. Ron oh, I'm here. going first. Oh, hello. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, so in terms of uh, what I watched since. Oh, no oh sorry. Movie. I just want to mention. We'll try to spoil anything because we're not starting with things. things. Okay. No, we'll just the spoiler warning. Spoiler warning. <laughs> oh. You immediately got downgraded. Uh, uh, I, I don't yeah. like the direction this is going. In. Yeah. No, Josh. Now you go. <laughs> I'm scared now. Um, <laughs> anyway, yes, of course, no, no spoilers. Don't want to ruin anything for anybody and that sort of thing. So in terms of films, unfortunately, I'm sad to report, I didn't get to the movies as much as I wanted to over the holidays or at all, in fact. I'd like to report I haven't been able to get to the movies as much as I wanted to. And I, lo- I don't know how long. Yeah, no, but usually, I mean, I, I do like, and I, and Connor, I feel like you're with me. And Josh, you probably mm-hmm. are too. Like the, the, sure. the, the between Christmas and New Year's is a nice time to go to the movies. Yes. Right? If you haven't been sick for six weeks, totally sure, yes, the sure, case. Yeah, I was not sick. Yeah. I had a list. They were prioritized or stuff like yeah. that. Did not make it to the theater until, uh, until January 11th. So uh, I, dis- despite my hardest uh, trying and attempts, I failed. But thanks to the n- the new world of technology and all these awesome companies that are made that are profitable, <laughs> I was able to watch <laughs> newly released films in the comfort of my own home. Sure. One of those was Bradley Cooper's Tour de Force Maestro. A prequel to the Seinfeld character. The yes. biopic of Leonard Bernstein that he First wrote time. and directed, which I will be honest with you, um, I was here for Carrie Mulligan. In all seriousness, I going through movies of the last 15, 20 years, anytime Carrie Mulligan's in it, it has been a good movie and she has been fantastic. And that is solely based on the fact that when she showed up, she was a cute British girl with a pixie haircut. And you're like, I'm in. No, I don't even. I could, I don't <laughs> I mean, even she's a good that. actor. Yeah. But that initial response, I think it is for me. So I think it says more about you than me. But <laughs> oh, listen, pal, I know you. No, I mean, like, she is, she is, I mean, from Drive to Inside Lewin Davis to Promising Young Woman, like, she, she's fantastic. I just, I, like, she's never not good as far as I'm concerned. I am teasing you. She's a wonderful actress. Yeah. However, she's married to one of the Mumfords. Oh, so I didn't know that, that really. That, yeah, that'll knock yeah. you down some. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's fine. one of the sons. But anyway, all I knew going into it was that Bradley Cooper was working on for years, the six years of rehearsing for to conduct a, uh, the to be a conductor, all that sort of stuff. I did not expect for this to be as challenging slash art house as it was. Mm. For I, I was I was uh, anticipating a kind of more straightforward biopic. And have you either of you guys seen this? Or yeah, I didn't like it. 
I'm not surprised by that at all. Why? That's not anything on you. No, I'm not like like it took swings for sure. You know. Yeah, but like, explain why I wouldn't like it. Um, I feel like someone in your family knew Leonard Bernstein, and you're you're you're, you're, you're like you're offended by it's it. Also, it's Bernstein as he took that's that's it, 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 in the film. He already said that so you didn't hear it, but I want that to keep happening. <laughs> I thought there were really good performances in it. I thought he didn't know what movie he wanted to tell. Yes, I thought yeah. So yeah. much of it was left out. I thought they didn't do anything with his actual professional life almost. Yep. He was too close to it, I think. I just think the story was ultimately unsatisfying. If I may, Bron, before you go, I'm going to give you what I think it's going to be like and what has stopped me from watching it. And it's that you got a guy who's very talented, who wants to impress people with his directing, and he thinks this is going to be his big thing, and I'm thinking he overdid it. I don't know what that means. I don't know about that. I'm more aligned with the Connors. directing was good. The directing was great. I thought the the execution of it was great. I I grew kind of the, the story the cha- was the challenge bro. was the story yeah. and the challenge. Connor, I think you actually I think you nailed it. I think that there's so much with this as a subject matter, and while I understand to the focus on the personal life and the and the marriage and the relationship, it just left a lot more on the table. It left so much of his life, like important, yeah. important things out of his life that happened yeah. where much of his life was lived without her. And so yeah. but we focused entirely on her and him. We missed important moments. I don't know. It just, it's tough. Biopics this is going to be hard. one of those things where we learn that, that Connor's got like a whole Leonard Bernstein thing. No, I just, you know, he's a very important. You didn't correct me, you son of a bitch. I know. I'm just trying to. No, but, but seriously, like, I didn't know that this was an area that you knew anything about. Well, he's, I didn't know this was an a- area that anybody I knew knew anything about. So well, he's a very important figure in the 20th century music. Like, he, yeah, for he sure. I mean, in the, in the, R- in the R.E.M. In song, history, yeah. which, which I feel also feel like they didn't need to include the R.E.M. song. By the yeah. way, it was a little heavy-handed. I kind I kind of cringed when that happened, but yeah. Yeah. but either but either way, I was impressed Andy by the Kaufman film. showed up. I was impressed by the filmmaking. I was impressed by the choices that were made. It played with the aspect ratio, black and white color, yeah. like all like all that sort of stuff. Like I thought, I mean, it, it was definitely. It, it was an enjoyable night watching it, but I do agree with you, Connor, that the story was was. I just flawed. left not knowing anything yeah. about him. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they didn't tell me anything about him. I, but yeah. other than that, I thought, you know, it was showily directed, but I thought it worked for the character. Yep. I think Bradley Cooper should make a non-music-based film next to see if yeah. he can do it. Yeah. And I thought the performances were good. I thought she was great. I thought he was really good. He sort of disappeared into the makeup and the character. Yep. I was torn when I finished it, but ultimately I felt like it was a missed opportunity because yeah. as a biopic, it didn't really tell me much about the guy in the middle of it. Yeah. So I saw Maestro, and then the the movie that I did see in the theaters on January 11th was Poor Things, after hearing about it since the summer. Real quick question. Is it poor things like those poor things, or is it like these are things that are poor? I think it's like the first one. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was wild. I mean, it, it, what, it, what I forget the guy, Yorgos, I, forget, I can't pronounce it. What is it? Yorgos, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos, you know, of, of you know, previously done The Lobster and- um, <laughs> The favorite. The favorite, right. Exactly. A giant list of movies I didn't like. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And I can't imagine you would like this either, but this was so fantastically out there and honestly, Emma Stone, I think, deserves all of the credit that she's getting for for the performance. Also, Mark Ruffalo was fantastic. That's always true. I know, but in like in another dimension, like it was uh-huh. it was a, it was a different dimension of Ruffalo, right? But it was just it was it was really fantastic. I love that it it took place not in reality, like in this you know whatever you know like bizarre world, but it is a bizarre world set in the late eighteen hundreds London or you know, early nineteen hundreds London. Late I think more late eighteen hundreds London yeah, but in the past. Um and I thought that setting was really interesting. It was at the same time challenging and repulsive as it was heartwarming and, you know, seeing the journey that Emma Stone's character went on as it is disturbing. It was a real kind of like Two sides of the coin type thing. I was I was not looking at the screen sometimes, or sometimes I was absolutely enthralled by what was going on. Um, I do think it it lacked a little towards the end, and that I think that they didn't know how to end it, and so they just kind of wrapped it up very quickly. But sometimes you got to do that. You just got to end the movie. And it's also based on a book, I believe. So uh, that's that's yeah. a big out. Yeah, yeah sometimes you just got to end the movie. <laughs> sometimes you got to end the movie. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure ending a movie is a really big part of the process. And well, you just... I feel like a lot of, a lot of movies <laughs> just sort of <laughs> suffer from that. <laughs> But, right, but, but you're hard. letting this one, you're yeah. letting it get him get away with it. Yeah. No, but this was definitely as outlandish and as crazy as you've heard about it. But it was, uh, again, another fun night at the movie theater for me, at least. But I, I got to imagine both of you guys would hate this movie. I liked The Favorite a lot. I hated The Lobster. And so yeah. I think he's a tremendously talented and singular artist. He just, his style doesn't 
measured mine. Necessary. Yeah, again, sim- similar to the to Maestro and Bradley Cooper, like from a filmmaking standpoint, from a production design standpoint, with, with um, poor things, just the production design alone, and like it is clearly like a lot of the film was shot like in green screen and all this sort of stuff, and not these not these real environments, but like use that almost as like an asset. Right, like leaned into it and made these like amazing, like well, you know, one portion of the film takes place in Lisbon, one portion takes place in Paris. They're clearly not in Lisbon or Paris. They're clearly on a green screen set, but uh, the architecture and the design, everything, like all the production elements of this film were just like really, really, really well done. Glad to cross those two off my list. I still have more to go, but here we are. So, from a TV standpoint, I was training for a half marathon that I ended up not running. And so while doing that, it got cold here in New York. So I was running on my treadmill and watching TV. And I had heard that Fisher Stevens had directed a documentary about David Beckham. And <laughs> I was like, I'll try that. And it was fantastic. I've heard that. Four episode docuseries chronicling the life of David Beckham. Now, admittedly, it's sanctioned. I mean, Beckham is the subject of it. There are one-on-one interviews. Like, And I heard an interview, I heard Fisher Stevens on with Marin and he's saying how they came to him and they're like, we want you to shoot this. You know, so like to a certain degree, it's not completely subjective, you know, like that's it's, the it's, way the world now, like it's ever, ever since the last dance, every celebrity wants their own sanctioned documentary series. Exactly. But as a casual fan of World Cup level soccer and like a little bit of, of you know, Premier League soccer and all that sort of stuff, like knowing who Beckham was as a large fan of the Spice Girls in the late 90s. It was just really, really compelling, but really, really well done. Like Fisher Stevens is a really good, is a really good documentary director. Now I want to watch him. He did The Cove. I didn't even realize he did The Cove. Hmm. It was surprisingly, surprisingly good. I would strongly, if you, if you have any interest in David Beckham or soccer or anything like that, I would recommend it. It was like really well done. And then on the non-docu-series TV side of things, we spent a lot of time in Apple TV Plus over the break. Did it hurt you inside? Did it hurt? No, no. It just no. It just. I mean, and, and again, like, and I'm going to talk about a show that I don't think either of you have heard of, right? which is which is uh, plays into the whole Apple TV Plus marketing scheme. For several months, I've had on my list a show called Drops of God. Have either of you heard about the show? I've or? never heard of the show. Okay. I might have when you talk about it because I don't know titles. So Drops of God, it's filmed and takes place and language-wise in France and Japan, and the show itself is in French, Japanese, and English. Whoa. What are you trying to show off? You think you're better than me? No, I'm just telling you about the show. Do you not do bits anymore? No, what I'm trying is to that get what's going? This. I don't know if you want to go backwards. It's a fun show, and we, I don't, you know, this is my role. If you watch sports and no one responds to the color commentary guy, I'm out of a job. So it was a joint, uh, joint production in those three languages. So obviously we had subtitles on because I don't know Japanese or French. It's actually, in, in the context for this show and for iFanboy, it's actually based on a Japanese manga series, which is similar to one of our old favorite series, Oshimbo where it's basically the, the manga series and the show is about wine. And that's what the drops of God are, so about wine. how did you come to this show? Well, uh, well So far, well, nothing me, you're telling me is something you, you seem, a good question. You seem to good be question. interested in. The premise of the show is that there's a French guy who lives in Japan who is like the author of the go-to guide of wine. Every year, he puts out a new book of, of, of his ratings and reviews of wines and makes or breaks wineries and things like that. Um, the show starts with him dying. And uh, we're introduced to his daughter. She goes to Japan to hear his will and finds out that he has this multi-million dollar worth wine collection under his house in, in Japan. And he is not leaving it to her. Rather, he has set up a competition between her and his top student from Japan where they're going to compete in three rounds to see who gets the collection, who gets the inheritance. And the first uh, test happens in the first episode where they are given a glass of wine and they can taste it. And they say, great, come back here in 30 days and tell us what wine this is. And it goes off from there. And through the series itself, you find out about this guy, the, the wine expert guy. You find about his relationship with his daughter, the relationship with this, with this Japanese student, their family relationships. And it's all done in the context of this competition that the daughter and the top student are competing to get the inheritance. Did you click on this randomly? No, yeah, no, you no. still haven't answered his question. You just gave him more synopsis. <laughs> no, I know. Well, that, I just was setting that. Well, let me there. tell you how it. Let me tell you what it's about, though. <laughs> so, yeah, but why are you watching it? And then was it the an that you fall down and land on the remote, and then you couldn't ruin no, the show? No, just no. so, did you, Were you able to speak Japanese after that? So, months, actually, surprisingly, yeah, months and months ago, I actually I came across an article about it, 
And what what captured me in the article was that the reference to manga and it compared it to Oishimbo. And for a moment, I thought it was a adaptation of Oishimbo that was renamed. And then I quickly realized that no, no, it just has it's akin to Oishimbo. Uh. So that's why I kind of stuck in my head and then just added it to the watch list that kept it out there. And then we needed something to watch. I'm like, let's give it a shot. And we gave it a shot. And it was it was enthralling. It was great. How many episodes is it? I feel like it's eight episodes. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's eight. Okay. Shot beautifully. You know, you get a lot of Japan. You get a lot of France. You get a lot of a lot of wine. If you're if you're into wine, I would strongly recommend it. Um, yeah, it's eight episodes. <laughs> this French Japanese thing. First of all, you get a lot of France. <laughs> you get a lot of Japan. When they go over to Japan, a lot of it. Very little Netherlands. Yeah, but um, it was it was very uh, it, it's very very good. I strongly recommend it. Like we both me and my wife are really really enjoying it. Lots of twists and turns in that manga storytelling kind of style, you know, like, you know, don't see you something. watch co- it backwards. A revelation happens and you don't, see, you don't see it coming, that sort of thing. So that was Drops of God. Strongly recommend you both check it out. I think it's, re- it's like it's quality really, really good. Okay. <laughs> there was so much skepticism in that ascent. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just. <laughs> So I'm still mystified, but I'm, I'm. No, I know, I know, I understand. <laughs> it's good. Trust me. I don't. I'm not saying that's the part that's no, mystifying. No, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it at all. It'd be like if you told us to like, oh man, I went to this rap festival, <laughs> and these MCs had it. I found the article. It's an LA Times article. It says what you can learn about wine by watching the new manga-based TV series Drops of God. You that's don't what got like, me. That's you, what wait. got. I was like manga series, like. But still, the, none of those words. Yeah. You don't really drink wine. You don't really drink, yeah. read manga. Well, I know I've, I've enjoyed. I, I, I know. Having have red wine, you have mangoes. Right. <laughs> Hang on, you know, you know that I have a there's a soft spot in my heart for food based manga. That's, That's true. true. That's fair. That's true. That's totally okay. fair. That you finally told us something of value. Yes, <laughs> I I am constantly on the lookout for a good food based manga. That right? is true. Okay. All right. Fair and enough. I've read more manga than you guys are aware of. Right. I read Uzumaki. I read like you don't I'm, have a shelf of it. <laughs> you know, like you're Pluto, not you're not at Pluto. the Barnes and Noble picking them all up. We've read that. Come on. The fact that I saw this TV series based on manga, I was like, what is that? And I read into it, and then I kind of put it on the shelf, and then revisited it over the holidays. I see. Okay. Um, and it paid off. All right. And talk about paying off. The last show I watched on Apple TV Plus was I started season one, and we just finished season one. I know you guys are ahead of me, so no spoilers, but of yeah. Slow Horses, the Gary Oldman-led show, which Connor, I, I think I described I think I described to you, I described to somebody, I'm like, it's like 24 set in London with Gary Oldman, like mm. that kind of spy, kind of thriller yeah. kind of show. Written by the people from Veep. <laughs> yeah, right. And Josh, you had been watching it, and I know you had mentioned it, but I wish I had started watching this We've earlier. mentioned it several it, times. It's fantastic. It's, it's so good. Connor and I have been going back and forth about it a lot, both on our channel that we share and, and sketch-wise. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it, it, we, so over the holiday, I also watched it, because I've watched season one and season two by myself, because normally when I tell my wife, hey, you want to watch this British spy show? She's like, no. So I didn't. <laughs> and then she heard us talking about it on all media show. And she was like, why am I not watching Slow Horses? And I was like, I yeah. don't know. You had your chance. <laughs> so we watched all three seasons during the break. What drew me into Slow Horses was the fact that Jack Loudon, who was in The Gold, right. well, that, that I liked, is in it. I was like, oh, I like that guy. Let me see this show that he's also in. And she I was like, like oh, he's very handsome. I was like, well, he's in Slow Horses. He's and like, I'll be honest with you that I knew I was I was aware of Slow Horses from when Josh initially mentioned it and honestly dismissed it because I didn't like Josh mentioned how it. disheveled Gary Oldman looked in it. Right. He's hard to look at. Right, yeah, like like no. that was like honestly, like all the marketing for it was a bit of a turnoff, and like, well, I'm not going to watch that then, you know, and and oh man, it's 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 great, it's so good. I mean, I watched it, and I think I said to Connor at some point, I was like, this is better than everything he's ever done put together, and and like not really, but I just was like, he seems to be having so much fun with well, it. His and, character and, work is terrific. Yeah. Yes, but also like on the surface, like the character is. Almost completely a one-note character. Now, that is not yeah. true as you go on, but if you're not really paying attention, it's just like he just – he's like, what's his name? And in the thick of it, you're just like he's just yeah. angry and he gives – and if you look up like lamb line, one-liners, they're amazing. He doesn't really shine until the last third of this first season. Right, because it sets you up to think he's one kind of guy and you yeah, realize he's it's actually a slow the smartest burn with guy in the room yeah. all the time. It's a yeah. well, they're yeah. slow Horses is the slow horses, huh? <laughs> slow horse. Uh, I'm excited for you to get the next three seasons, the next two seasons. Season four comes out later this year. They're, they're already working on five. 
Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give the show credit. I, I heard an interview with the showrunner. Like, basically, Gary Oldman said he'll do the show for as long as they want him to. Yeah. They've gotten the green light from Apple so much so that they always have three seasons in production. They either they have a season that's being written, a season being shot, and a season in post, and they're just cycling through. They're following the schedule of these books by Mick Heron or the, the writer's name, right? So like this is like a modern Game of Thrones, basically, just with like a like a twenty four s kind right. of show, which is awesome, right? Because each season matches one of the books. Yeah, and they're very different. Like each season has been very different. Yeah. We watched all three seasons over the break with my mom, too. She I'm not done it. with three yet. I know you're not going to spoil it. I just, I'm not going to, but I had a great time rewatching one and two. And I picked yeah, up bad. on things I missed the first time, and it was yeah. incredibly fun. And three was really great. I think three was – one is still my favorite, then three, then two. They're all good, but that's the right. order I'd put them in terms of what assurance I like the best. I think one of the things that stands out is, like, it's a very British show. And by that, I mean, you know, you, when you watch British shows – you're like, oh, this is this was produced in Britain for British audiences. And sometimes when they cross the go, it's British people doing an American show. So like Succession was British people doing an American show. They didn't feel like a British show. But this one to me feels like, you know, like Connor said, British by like we we watched a bunch of these. Yeah. And there's just something about and it, I like when those things translate well. Like I like that style, but it, I like when they translate really well sort of American audiences, which is thing is sort of doing. What's also interesting is about Jack Loudon is that the whole first season, I'd never seen anything. And I thought, I was like, he reminds me. He's like, he's part Simon Pegg at times. And then he's part, and, and he kind of is boyish and a little bit simple while also being, you know, capable. And yeah. I, I was like, maybe he's not a great actor. And then I watched The Gold. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. I was shocked at how much of a different bearing he had. His entire presence was different. Yeah. And I, I was really impressed and surprised by that. His character... Is not a simpleton by any means on Slow Horses, yeah. but he's kind of slowly becomes the comic relief over this course. Of, like, it's like they take yeah. the really handsome guy and make him he's right. not hapless, but yep. he keeps no. accidentally stepping on rakes. And that's what I find funny about <laughs> his character. What I liked about it, too, is that that also, at least in the first season, at least, it added up to the larger tapestry of the bigger story. Right. Like you thought it was one thing, you thought he's always screwing up or step step on a rake, so that sort of thing. But like, no, actually, there's more un- underneath. But he's a very yeah. good spy, but he just keeps yeah. having bad luck. I will say, yeah. if you take his portrayal of the character in the gold and the portrayal of the character in Slow Horses, and you put them together, you get my sister and my wife's whisper campaign to make him the next James Bond. That's what's happening right now. I really like him. I really like him. They have it out there. They're getting the word out. They're talking to all the right people. That's what they, they want to see. <laughs> have you heard about this Funke? <laughs> so it's a terrific show i'm so happy it's yeah. popular every time i go on apple tv it's like the number one or number two i remember like for some reason just watching it like the second season ended uh, maybe you and i even talked about it Connor. it's just like well that was good while it lasted <laughs> right. and then you were like it's gonna be a third season i was like really and just now you're like they've they've done two i was like they, really they've done more yeah. i can't believe it they announced three and four together, so we knew that was mm-hmm. coming. And then, of course, at the end of three, you get the trailer for four. So they, that's what they, they have. Like Ron said, they're always right. Running, they're, so. they're, they're just rolling. They're they're yeah. you know they've greenlit up to season five so far. Yeah, so whatever. I'm yeah. excited. It's, it's great. Really I good. mean, like I feel like they make those shows cheap in in London. It definitely seems like this this, this could be a Law and Order of London. You know, like in terms <laughs> yeah. of how they're doing it, right? But you with know? Oscar winner and right, legend exactly. Gary yeah. Oldman at the center yeah, of it, great, eating the, it. The whole cast is really good. Eating yeah. his fucking noodles. Oh, God. No. Just slurping oh, up. So good. And you just look at him, and you just look at his greasy hair, and just go, God, he must smell That's terrible. the one thing. I watch it, I think, he's not a young man. I hope he didn't gain all this weight for the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's a little, he's repulsive. He used to be wiry, and now he's no, like, 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 when I look at him, I'm like, ugh, I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable looking at his greasy hair, but I'm supposed to be? Like, yeah. it, that's how good, and that's how well he's inhabited that thing. And I know that there are other people in the show. Jack Loudon was in that um, fighting with my family wrestling movie. Oh yeah! Oh right! Yeah, right? that Stephen Merchant did that. That Florence yeah. Poo's in too, which I've yeah, never I even saw seen. That. Yeah, I yeah, saw yeah. That, yeah. That's a way to say her name. He was also in Dunkirk. Yeah, lots of people are in Dunkirk. Yeah, I was gonna say he's Scottish <laughs> and he's Sir Sharon's boyfriend. Oh, he is. I had no idea. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah. wow. Well, well then. All right. Well, that's the, that's my the stuff I watch. So there you go. Speaking of British stuff, yesterday, yesterday, I did go to the the films, and I had been forced to see bad children's movies before that, <laughs> and I was like, "How about Wonka?" Which is like a kids' movie, but further up. It's doing surprisingly well. Yeah, it's like five hundred million, million, million at the box office. Yeah, well, box I'm, I am glad to hear that because again, from the director Paddington. What I can, I have all these things to say about it, but if you want to go through 
Ron, let's talk <laughs> some more about Wonko. <laughs> What's interesting is uh, I had no expectations. I didn't know what it was. I do know that at the beginning there was a point where I'm watching the movie and then someone starts singing and I looked at my wife. I was like, Ugh, I got over that. It was fine. <laughs> but, I, you know, like the original Wonka was a musical, but just part of me was like, all right, let's go. And I didn't have any expectations of any time. And then like part of the way through it, I go, oh, this is the person that did Paddington. Mm. Yeah. And it's like Paddington and Paddington 2 are excellent films. They're really good Sort movies. of like Babe and Babe Pig in the City are excellent films. The other thing that I noticed as I watched it, I mean, it was full of British character actors, but specifically comedy TV actors who I kind of recognize. Like it was chock full of peep show people. Patterson Joseph was one of the um, lead bad guys. You know, and as I kept watching through it, I was like, I'm really enjoying this. And it's very funny. And, and you know, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me a little bit of Jean-Paul Genet and Marc Carreau, French movies. It was you know, They did Amelie. Actually, Carreau didn't do that. But Delicatessen, City of Lost Children. Like, it has that sort of, without being completely scary and messed up, it has that sort of whimsy to it. And it also paid a lot of homage to the original movie. It's a prequel. That's sort of, that's how it works. And there's just bits in it that are not direct quotes, but they're things that remind you of it. Like, there's a bit about reading the small print. Actually, Olivia Coleman's peep show too that thing was chock full of peep show people it's one of my favorite shows i thought it was really respectful to the other movie but without sort of trying to be they didn't try to like like lo-fi it down i guess you know to be like the other movie and he didn't really try to act like gene wilder but he had some of that to him and it didn't have that darker edge and i think that that kind of worked because he's younger you know mm-hmm. and he hadn't sort of developed that yet i think Chalamet's really good I don't think he's the world's best singer, but he was good enough at it. As Gene Wilder was sort of good Kudos to him for it. Taking, it, taking the chance on it, right? Yeah, he wasn't bad. There was nothing to be ashamed about. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's the kind of thing where it's also interesting looking at the marketing of the film where, like, they're not really marketing it as a musical, but yeah. obviously because you know Wonka, there will be songs, right? And so, you know, good for him for taking the chance on it, you know, not only to be the, you know, because this is really like one of Chalamet's f- first, like, lead, like him carrying the whole thing. Dune. Dune to a certain degree, but I feel Dune's like that- a whole big cast, though. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? Yeah, like, so this is like- Is this, this is one all of sh- a thing full of great British comedy TV shows in America and don't know, so that's Yeah, true. this is Chalamet or Bust, right? And so, like, good for him for trying he it, right? owned yeah. it. He did a great yeah. job. I mean, all like, it was funny. I expected nothing. I thought it worked really, really well, and, and I kind of walked out like, I was very happy about that. My one nice. kid loved- My my, my youngers, my nine-year-old goes- he had a very nice voice. That was his first Aww. and only real thing. And the other one said, he was fine. So that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. It's like two thumbs up for your kids. There it is. Yeah. 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 yeah kind of. Yeah. I was trying to get them to go to that like earlier and they would not go until finally like we all went, including the mother-in-law. Like everybody went to the movies. It was like $700. <laughs> Jeez. This isn't going to be a surprise to anybody who follows me on Instagram. I've been doing a G.I. Joe thing lately. By lately, do you mean 30 years or? <laughs> no, no, like we're in a spike. Yeah. He's in like a deep part right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. No, like I, I saw, and I don't really know why it started. I think I do some time ago, probably over a year ago, they, I, started, I noticed those G.I. Joe classified toys and I was like, those are kind of cool. And I held off. I was like, I'm not going to get that. And then one day I was like, yeah, I'll get one. And I got a couple more. So from that, I started reading the comics again. I'm slowly going through them and I really enjoy it. I don't want to do anything else but read them, but I have other things I have to be doing. And yeah. then I don't know why. I know, I know the sequence of events. I was on the Apple TV store and I saw that they had the entire series of Masters of the Universe for $10. And I thought, I wonder what G.I. Joe costs. And they know the value of it because all those are by episode and they're three bucks a piece. And I was like, good on you. But I did find out that they're all on Tubi, a thing that I nice. I, did, I only know existed because I wanted to watch the documentary on Shackleton. And that's where that was. Fairly certain Tubi is owned by Fox. Yeah. They run an ad at the beginning. For Fox News, to, for, 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 for Hannity. <laughs> Josh has got some interesting ideas these days. He's been binging it. And he's like, you know how those immigrants are a problem. So... <laughs> I did. I didn't say the words in sarcasm. I didn't. I didn't say the words at all. Connor did. So here's my main takeaway: is that we. I know that we had when during the pandemic we had talked because we had there was no comics. We talked about GI Joe. We did the first special. Maybe this. Did we do the second one too? Like the mini series. No. And we did the the, the mini series or Revenge of Cobra. Yeah. Five parter. I don't remember how far we got into it. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, either. so I sort of skipped ahead in the first season, and I think the seasons are a suggestion more than a rule because, like, one of the seasons has like sixty-five episodes, and another one has twenty, and who knows? So I went to like six, seven until I basically looked for a character in the screenshot I wanted to see, and it's a lot better than you'd think. 
but it's also a lot worse. <laughs> like it goes up and down. There's parts of it where I was like, wow, this is actually really good. There's a scene where there's a scientist. I'm getting the comics mixed up back and forth. The Cobra is really into capturing scientists between the comics and the books. Like that's their thing. They yeah. find a scientist and make them do something for them. It's it's fantastic. It's easier than training. Come on. So this guy comes up with a way to control animals. And the way that he controls it, this is both good and bad at the same time, is that he has a board, not unlike McDonald's, that has the silhouette of an animal from the side. And when he hits that button, it controls that kind of animal. And I was like, you're really leaving a lot of open space here, buddy. (laughs) But what happens is, is that one of the things is it takes over Junkyard, Mutt's dog, remember Mutt and Junkyard. And and there you proceed to have a long chase where Junkyard is after Mutt and Mutt was like, I can't hurt him. He's my best friend. And it goes on for a long time and it's very dramatic. It's very traumatic and very sad. But I was like, this is like amazingly well acted. This is just one episode. Also, the episodes are like 20 minutes. They feel very long, (laughs) (laughs) but not in a bad way. And there's just the one I'm on now. There's some journalists who are trying to, they're trying to be gotcha journalists and they come. Wait, now I'm trying to remember if that's the comic or not no i don't have shipwreck in the comics so it's not and he gets mad that they're talking shit about gi joe and he's like you want to see some action and he oh, puts them in that. a helicopter and he flies them to somewhere to fight and it's i was like this is way off the rules that you can do and he crashes it and at one point the guy tries to reach over and he punches the journalist because he cra- before he crashes his plane this is bonkers it's just it should be so that we're also currently rereading the comics because we're going to do a bookplode show about them. So that's why <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of GI Joe rattling around Josh's head right now. So like, here's the thing though: I, I don't actually watch that much TV on my own anymore. My wife and I watch a couple of things, and she falls asleep, and so it takes us a long time to get through stuff. You know, a lot of times I'll play video games at night or something sort of interactive. I am just mainlining these things. I just sit there and watch them. I'm like, you got to go to bed. I'm like, one more. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it is nuts. That's funny. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to stick with animation and then I'm going to I'm going to cede my time. Okay. For the record, why don't you watch a lot of TV? It's like I watch 3 or 4 3-hour basketball games a week at this point. And so that takes up a lot of time, but it's fun. Whatever. A friend of mine said, "I think that you would like BoJack Horseman," which I had tried to watch the pilot at one point a long time ago and I I poo-pooed it. I was like, "I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to watch this because I wasn't in the mood when I saw the pilot or whatever." And he said the thing that people always say when they recommend you a show, which is it's about depression. <laughs> no it's not really good at first but if you stick with it for a little oh, while they yeah. get it okay which is true because pilots aren't good and then they figure it out and then it becomes interesting but it's very funny it's very like i feel like these are people who grew up at the simpsons and they're not imitating it but you can see those lessons that are put there is a dark sort of humor that we all sort of grew up when we watched the simpsons like originally first eight seasons does that sound about right ron first eight, nine seasons before yeah. it changed. Either it was 2000 or 2001, pre-9-11, or mm-hmm. maybe post-9-11, but the episode where they visit New York. Right. The Flushing Meadows yeah. episode, Flushing that's Meadows. really, for me, like, that was like, I'm done. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that episode, but I know what you're talking about. The Simpsons yeah. is on TV all the time. It's on, like, FXX or whatever, yeah. but never an early season. It's always the later Recent. seasons. It's never anything earlier than 20. We will watch them as a family. And we'll put on, you know, uh, I'll, I'll put on something from, you know, the fir- you know, the first eight seasons or something like that. Yeah. And those are still real good. Yeah. I was just with our with our good friend Gordon, the intern, and and we were someplace with a monorail, and the whole week we were going, monorail, <laughs> yeah. monorail. Yeah. Like, we were just, yeah. That yeah. episode's amazing. You, yeah. Know, yeah. you know what's really good? The movie's really good. Yeah. The movie was but good. I, yeah. It's not watching the show forever. Anyway, I think that there's elements of that there. And then at the same time, there is like a dramatic element about a character. Basically, the premise is, Bojack Horseman, voiced by, I literally almost said Joe Bluth. I, I, can't, I can't, Will Arnett. Will Arnett. It's like the finest acting of his career. And by that, I mean that he's playing this character who was a star of a bad 90s TV show, and that's kind of all he's ever done. So you want to think about like Dave Coulier or something like that. You know, like a really popular show, but it wasn't great, and that's he hasn't done anything since then, but he's a rich, famous person who's not on anything anymore and and he drinks too much and sleeps around all that stuff you know self-loathing and there's bits where like he's sad you know there's a dramatic part or something and i forget that i'm looking at cartoon horses <laughs> like i'm not kidding like it's done that well and like his acting is incredibly strong yeah. there was a really wonderful episode where 
he had to go to like a film festival, but it was underwater because there's animals everywhere, but there's humans. They don't really talk about that part very much. So he's underwater. There's no dialogue the entire episode. And it was incredible. It was like one of those episodes of television. You're like, oh my God. And, you know, it gets lost in the shuffle because there's so many shows and that's just one more thing on, you know, Netflix that's there. But I don't know, say I'm three seasons in or something like that. And uh, it's really impressive and I really enjoy it. And when I finish G.I. Joe, I'm going to get back to it. Well, Bojack Horseman is incredibly popular. It does, I mean, it doesn't, yeah, it's not I, lost I, the I don't, I'm not surprised, but I figure what I'm doing now is validating somebody who was like, I knew they'd like it if they saw it. I really like it. I think it's very, very good. Good. There's a lot of episodes, 77 episodes. Yeah. Well, I'm halfway. Ron mentioned earlier that during the holidays is a time we try to see movies. And I was thinking today that my favorite time of the year to see films is basically starting around Thanksgiving and going to the Oscars because. You know, you get all the end of the year great films, and I don't get to see them all in that period. So I usually see them up until the awards ceremony. Like once the nominations come out, which happens in two weeks, then I, then I make my list of the films I haven't seen from the, the major films and see those as best I can. So this is the time of year where I'm trying to backfill some of the big releases I didn't get a chance to see when they came out originally. And so I saw in the last month five films, four of them were on streaming, just to be fair, five films from the sort of buzzy awards season films. One was Maestro. We already talked about. I watched Saltburn, which was garbage. I watched <laughs> Anatomy of a Fall, which I just finished about an hour ago, and I'm still mulling over, which is the French film that won a couple of surprise awards at the Golden Globes. Past Lives was terrific. Yeah. I rented that on Apple. It's a yeah. sweet meditation on time and memory and moments from people from the past, how they can affect your present. It's a very beautiful, mostly Korean, but partially yeah. English. I've heard good things about film. it. Yeah. Really, really, really strong. Yeah. And the one I saw in the theater that I really loved the most of all these films was American Fiction. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it so badly. I'm not going to spoil it all. Just say that it's so it's, it's gotten a lot of buzz. It just won the Critics' Choice Screenplay Award, which was it totally deserved. And it is ostensibly the trailers and the commercials showing Jeffrey Wright as a writer who is frustrated he can't sell any books and you know he's black and he so he leans into sort of black stereotype writing to sell a book and he does it by accident and becomes you know rich. That's like twenty percent of the movie. But it's the only oh, really? part they're talking about in the trailers. It's a, it was a totally surprising film. I saw the trailer again before Poor Things, and the trailer is hysterical. I mean, like it, it, it's a it, very like, funny trailer. It's a very funny yeah. movie. Yeah, and he doesn't do a lot of comedy. He plays very deadpan comedy very yeah, well. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, maybe 40 percent, but it's not the main thrust of the film. is about him and his family. Oh wow! Sterling K. Brown plays his brother. Tracy Ellis Ross plays his sister, and it's about That's really family good. sort of reconciling after some major events happen. You know, they're all sort of estranged. It's much more of a family film. He even talks, I saw him talking about it in an interview. He's like, I haven't really had a chance to play this kind of character before. It's not just a frustrated writer. who, is, And that part's are very, very funny. And all that stuff is, is the, sort of the, the driving force of his character. But yeah. it's all about the different traumas, not capital T traumas, but traumas your families go through throughout their lives and have to come, it sort of drifts you apart getting back together. It, it was a very mm-hmm. sweet and funny film some very very funny bits about how hollywood runs these days the whole book part's hilarious and all the stuff you saw in the trailer that's funny it's very very funny but then it's a very yeah. sweet and touching part in the rest of it very very highly recommended from cool. first time director cord jefferson who was one of the writers on the watchman tv show who won an emmy for that oh that is on my list as well as stuff i want to see oh i forgot to mention i did finally see barbie by the way and that was good. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like talk about being late to the party. Like I knew yeah. all, like I knew yeah, all, I, had already re- I, yeah. I was disappointed in that there, I was hoping there would be more than what I had already read about it. You know, if that makes sense. Like I read about the Godfather joke. I read about the yeah. Stephen Malcolmist joke. I read about all this sort of stuff. So I was like, you know, so like I kind of feel like I ruined, you know, by waiting as long kind of ruined the kind of impact, but definitely it was definitely well-deserved all the accolades it's been getting. For sure. yeah, I tell you, when they made those two jokes in the movie, my wife just looked at me and I was like, yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, because it's like, it wasn't just like, kind of like that, specifically those things. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I laughed also. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. If we can't laugh at ourselves, who can laugh at? So then um, TV wise, Slow Horses, obviously we talked about already. I watched The Gold finally, right before Slow uh, Horses. What'd you think? Which the first half was stronger than the second half, but I thought yes. all the way through it was really interesting. I thought the cast was terrific. The guy from Downton Abbey, playing a totally different character. Huge Bonneville. Killed it. He was so yeah. good on yeah. that show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, really good. The story was fascinating. They're going to do a sequel, which makes sense, but 
I don't know how that's really going to work because in the real life, they didn't really know where they happened to go. Anyway. Eh, that's all. Yeah. But I thought it was terrific. It hit a little hard on the class stuff. It almost tried to make these guys seem like they were oh, it class was, warriors it, when they were just thieves. It was way hard on the class war side. Right, of I think they're hitting yeah. it too hard. Kind of yeah. England. I yeah. mean, that's. No, but they were. They tried to make yeah. these guys who were psychopathic <laughs> thieves into like heroes a little bit. Uh-huh. And I was like, mm, it, no, I mean, they're not. But that guy who's the villain from Mission Impossible Wizards, that's the scariest motherfucker on earth. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. There's always that one guy. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. We also watched the four-part miniseries called Archie about Cary Grant. Oh, how was that? I heard bad things about it. Jason Isaacs played Cary Grant. It wasn't great, but it certainly wasn't bad. Yeah. I mean, I know a fair amount about his life, so I wasn't totally surprised by most of the things. But it does give you sort of an idea of why his, well, I mean... Why, I don't want to say, he had a lot of issues as a child. And so, you know, his name was Archie Leach. That's why it's called Archie. And he created this fictional persona called Cary Grant. There was a scene in the film very much like the Solo movie where he needs needs to get a new name. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) He had such a traumatic childhood and he had such need for control that it really affected his personal relationships. And that's sort of the crux of of the story. I thought it was enjoyable. Not great, but enjoyable. But wanted to mention real quick the ending of Real Sports with Brian Gumble, which is a show I've been watching for years. It ended its 29-year run this past month. I don't know why it ended in 29 years. There was a lot of jokes about that. when They had celebrities come on to do testimonials. But I can only imagine it got very, very expensive to produce. It's, it's super high-quality investigative journalism related to sports that's shot all over the world. That's why I can imagine it was too much for a company that's slowly sinking under a crushing amount of debt. But really impactful show, beautiful journalism. It's on, you know, on the level of 60 Minutes isn't the best journalism on TV. Stories that make you cry. Even the recaps of some of their highlights, I was starting to tear up again just remembering the stories. Just terrific journalism and terrific stuff about sports really made you think. It was a monthly show that has been on for, like I said, 29 years. And Yeah, I mean, it was an institution, right? It was... All of these things that were institutions in culture are sort of slowly dying away. I don't know, I don't know if they're being replaced with, I'm sure there's some fucking TikTok show. I that's honestly replacing didn't this. know it was still on. And I don't mean yeah. that like like a joke. Mm-hmm. I knew it had been around, but I was actually kind of surprised that it survived that long, given the costs and returns. And it's interesting when you think about it, that... HBO, for some reason, had this whole real naming strategy that was real sex, real sports, and real time. Yeah. With, yeah. with like, I don't know why they did that, but hmm. they did. It was, I'm sorry to see it go. I really am. I think anytime major journalism goes away, I mean, these, these are guys who are constantly holding FIFA and IOC to account, yep. and no one's going to do John that anymore. Oliver takes care of that now. You don't need them. <laughs> so that was a bummer. And then finally, I wanted to mention a podcast I've been listening to. I'm not totally done with it. I've got two episodes left. I was listening to Conan, um, Albert Brooks and Rob Reiner on Conan, which is a really fun episode if you want to listen to it. There's one joke in there that just destroys everybody in the room for about five minutes that Albert Brooks makes off the cuff, and it was very, very good. But anyway, on the show, Rob Reiner mentioned, and I totally forgot about this, that he did a podcast about Who Killed JFK. That's what it's called, Who Killed JFK with Rob Reiner and Soledad O'Brien. Soledad O'Brien also on Real Sports. And it's 25-minute episodes. They fucking fly by. There's 10 of them. So you can you can listen to it in the course of one work day, and I'm, I've got two left. The mystery of JFK's assassination is something that I've been obsessed with in various ways, depending on my life. More obsessed in my younger days, but I've read many, many, many books about it. In college, every Thursday when classes were over about 2 o'clock, my roommate and I watched JFK for the entire semester. So I think I watched it 50 times that year. I used to be able to quote it verbatim, more Gary Oldman. And, you know, in my 20s, I read a lot of books or watched a lot of documentaries. I've been to Dealey Plaza. I've been to the museum and the book depository. I've stood behind the fence at the Grassy Knoll. You know, it's, it's one of the seminal moments in American history that probably changed a lot. But I hadn't really thought about it in the last 10 years, honestly. It just sort of faded from my radar for a while. I've, I've watched the documentaries that come out here and they're the new ones over the last 10 years. I've not really been deep in it, but... There's been a lot of revelations in the last 10 years that have come out. A lot of stuff that's been declassified. Or people there was that agent, the guy that was on the car, right, who spoke up. Right? Yeah, he's in the he's in the documentary. They talked to him. A lot of stuff's been declassified. A lot of sort of deathbed-ish confessions or yeah. remembrances. And this show does a really good job of recapping all that. Rob falls on the side of this was a vast and giant conspiracy involving everyone. I don't know if that's true. I don't also necessarily I was believe about to it say, was... I was about to say, how could you think of anything otherwise? Like, I feel like, and I don't know where you fall on it, Connor, but like, 
we, you know, I also have been enamored and, and yeah. uh, you know, not, I, not probably, I don't watch JFK every day, but like, listen, you know, we have something fa- to do. Something fascinated to do. by it. I mean, my mother was fascinated by it. I yeah. kind of inherited that. Like she, like we had a copy of the Warren report in our house, you know what I mean? Right. Like she bought, she bought the book when it came out and like all that sort of stuff. Well, like people of a certain age and your mom's age, Rob Reiner's sure. age, they, you know, they were teenagers or so when it happened. Yeah, no, my mom, my mom chipped her fingernail on JFK's car when he was campaigning in 1960. Right. He visited Long Island and they went to go see him. And that was back then when you could touch the car of the, you right. know, like there was the, you know, it, which is, you know, an example of, you know, what happened in, in Dallas and why they were able to, why I was able to get to him. But I think at this point, you know, Connor, I don't know if you agree with me, yeah. it, it wasn't Oswald alone, like at a basis. There's way too much. Look, they discuss this in the show. And let me just say about the show real quick. Can we turn the show into a JFK conspiracy podcast? To. I would Let's love to. Let's do it. <laughs> it. The show is entirely scripted, but they try to make it sound like it's a conversation. The only one who can kind of pull it off is Rob Reiner, who's an actor. So that of Brian can't, the, the writers, like, that's the only kind of grading thing with the show is they try to make it seem casual, but it's totally scripted. So it's kind of stilted. But anyway, the information's good. So Lionel O'Brien brings up the point that Occam's razor sa- is usually the right thing, and Occam's razor says this fanatical, you know, mentally ill ex-marine got really, really lucky, fired three shots in time he should have been able to with this rifle that should have been able to fire it, and that's usually what the real thing is. Now Rob goes the a hundred degrees in other way, and it's Cubans and the CIA and the mob all together. Right. I probably fall somewhere, somewhere in the in middle, be- closer yeah. to the Oswald side in that something strange happened. In Dallas, we're never going to know what it was, but there were way too many people in Dallas that shouldn't have been there. Way too many coincidences. Way too many strange things with, with Oswald's past. Yeah, something happened. We'll never know. Echoes. You heard echoes. The security services, which is the British way of saying it, that was just watching so much slow horses, was doing all kinds of shady shit in the '60s, which no one ever yep. thought would come out yep. because back then people believed the government and the media without question, and they were involved in some shady, shady shit. Yeah, that's, I just, that's I just don't, I just I don't think there's, no, there's no way. Given all the physics and the trajectory, there's no way Oswald got lucky. Someone was up on that hill, and who it was, whether it's the Brian mob Doyle or, Murray. C- or CIA or Brian Doyle Murray, whoever it was, he was in the garage. We probably will never know, but yeah. there's no way it was just Oswald by himself. I, it, I believe that more than anything. I yeah, think you so. both need to listen to this. You can get it anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Who Killed JFK with Rob Reiner, and it's yeah. like I said, 25 minute episodes. There's 10 of them. You'll fly through it. And there has been a lot of stuff that's come out where I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know that. So, like, there's new information that's come out. There's a uh, – I bookmarked this, jfkfacts.org, which is the – like the Oh, geez. You're, go, you're, get, you're getting pulled in. You're getting pulled I'm in. getting pulled back in. <laughs> where it's the premier place for all the information, which they update daily. Jeez. It's sort of the repository for everything, and the host is one of the talking heads on the show. I couldn't stop listening to it, guys. I couldn't stop I mean, listening I will to say it. between between JFK assassination and Zodiac – those two have taken up more time on the internet than I would like to admit. Okay, you know? so pick pick one, Ron. If you could solve one definitively, the episodes which one are more like thirty five minutes. It's not a complaint, there, but there's no, there's commercials, ads. Okay, yeah, fair. Um, I mean, there's there's some sort of slightly longer, but they're all about twenty five minutes. Here's what I know: is that the fourth episode is called the Patsy, and I'm in. Yeah. No, so there's commercial break in the middle, the long one they all do now, but there's also like they do like the coming up next week for five minutes at the end. So I just cut that out too. Can we go back and reflect on how much I love the casting of Gary Oldman as Lee Harvey Oswald in JFK? Well, you know, when you watch a movie every day for an entire semester, you start to laugh at certain things. Like we all know, we all laugh at the weird things in Star Wars, like um, Grandma Tarkin with the little head nod and everything. But at the end of the semester, we would get a cake from Wegmans to celebrate the end of the semester. And we had him write, you're the policeman, you figure it out on the cake. Because by the end of the year, that line has made us laugh every time because the way he delivers it. <laughs> and the woman at Wegmans was very, very confused. We had to write it on a card. We were like, no, no, we want, it needs to say this. <laughs> can, can we just focus on the fact that in college where you don't have a lot of time, you know, necessarily to know that the people that you're going to be with are going to be. And you found people to live with who were like, yeah, I'm into watching this every day, too. <laughs> what are the chances of that? <laughs> you know, like you could you should I mean, you well, could find somebody who likes it. Right. While Connor was doing that, me and Gordon were were making enormous Hot Wheels tracks in our dorm lounge. <laughs> sure, so sure. like you find your people. I think. <laughs> oh, oh, listen, I'd never thought about JFK or whatever. I know the movie as well as anyone, short of yeah. Connor, at this point. Yeah. Like it's mm-hmm. not like he he brought me in. Like I saw what he saw. Yeah, and I'm down too. At one point that year, I bought the annotated script book. It's like 
six inches deep. And I read that whole thing too. Like it was a problem. Yeah. I would like to, and and this is giving away a, a great idea. So if there's some aspiring podcaster who wants to do it and produce it, and I'll, I'll have you participate. I would like to do a podcast that focuses on the casting of historical figures. We talked about this when we talked about the James Franco JFK show on Hulu. Remember all that years ago? Like yep. there is there 11, is now 22, a legacy 63. of men who have portrayed Lee Harvey Oswald throughout yep. film and television. There is a legacy of men who play Hitler throughout film right. and television. No, it's interesting. Like the idea of who, like like all the different inter- interpretations or how exactly. you research yep. or yeah, it's interesting. Because yeah. because it all stems from my love of the fact of the the guy who plays Hitler in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. If you look at his IMDb profile, it's an entire career of playing Nazis. He's played right. Hitler. He's played Goebbels. He's played like all of them and you, you, like really this British actor's livelihood has been based on Nazis right <laughs> so it's like I, I just, I'm just I'm fascinated by the whole thing yeah <laughs> I have two left the ninth episode is called 112263 so I'm, I'm uh oh there it is I'm up to that one I think where they're gonna lay out everything that they think happened that day anyway this spiraled in a way I didn't I didn't expect but, but I, I really way. have been enjoying it. I was I had a day where I had to do like a bunch of like spreadsheet like you know just like mindless stuff at work and i so i put it on and i just i literally was like suddenly four hours later it had gone by and i was like oh shit <laughs> i kept hitting play next play next and all of a sudden it was almost over anyway that's what we enjoyed this past month a lot of stuff a lot, a lot of, stuff. of stuff heavy what was your heavy favorite stuff. pick your favorite of the things you talked about Ooh, that tough. episode with junkyard mutt was pretty powerful <laughs> i mean i don't know how any of us are going to beat that to be honest with you that's true that's true all right, so we're going to give the award to Junkyard and Mutt. You're my best friend. What are you t- come on, what are you doing? He's coming at him. His eyes are glowing. broke your heart, didn't it? Yeah. It was really sad. I'd probably go with Drops of God as the biggest surprise. Whoa. Yeah. Not Slow Horses, Ron? Slow Horses, I mean, it's really, really good. Don't get me wrong. You put like, Drops of God over Slow Horses? Yeah, by, by inches. Whoa. I mean, I want to say the podcast, but also I'm going to say American Fiction. That was my favorite. Yeah. Of, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, yeah I can't It's wait. very good. All right, so let's wrap it up. So, Ron, why don't you plug some of your stuff you're working on? Yeah, sure. Uh, if you head over to androidfaithful.com, you can check out the newish podcast. It's about six months old now that I've been doing with Jason Hal, Quintet Dow, and Michelle Rahman. Talk about the world of Android and smartphones and mobile technology. It is lots of fun. Did you cover CES? We covered CES last week. Yes, and and this week, like we're it's you CES is so big, you got to do it over two weeks. Yeah, I did the pre like we we cover CES right when it starts, and then we cover CES CES as then. And it was a fun year for CES, to be honest. And then if you're into pinball, p- please check out Scorbit.io. Uh, that's the website where you can find a link to download the uh, app that uh, me and my friends put together that lets you track your pinball scores. It's lots of fun, so check that out at Scorbit.io. Every week, Josh and I and sometimes special guests talk about the week's new comics on the Pick of the Week show. And also, if you enjoyed the Junkyard and Mutt talk in the middle of the show, next week, Josh and I are releasing a Booksplode show, which is where we review a trade paperback. We're going to talk about G.I. Joe Volume 1, the first 10 issues of the classic Larry Hama comic book. So if you're a G.I. Joe fan and you enjoyed that talk, look for that show next week at fanboy.com, where all of our podcasts are. And that's going to be fun. I'm not done with the book, but I'm excited to talk about it already. So look forward to that. Like I said, all of our shows are available at iFanboy.com. If you're a patron, thanks for unlocking the show. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Consider being one today. And until next month, I am Connor. I'm Ron. Josh Flanagan. You okay? Yep. Did you get sad thinking about Mutt? No, I got something (laughs) caught in my throat, and I was like, oh, that was more dramatic than I meant. I just had a, like, I had a, like, I can't get it out, but it was too late. (laughs) <laughs> and so that happening i was like i got nothing to say normally i try to but uh nope didn't happen but if your strife strikes at your sleep remember spring swamp snow